Cardini's Media. This is the Totally Football League show, where this week we've offered up Sam Parkin to the ceremonial manager gods of Blackpool. You're welcome. They came for Wellens, they said no. They came for Robinson, they said no. And Parkin's not here, coincidence? I think not, except it's not. As Blackpool now rocks to Neil Critchley's beat, which was all a convoluted way of shoehorning in one music reference so we could start the show with a Sabri sing-song. We love a little beauty. You were the star of Chap Manage in 98. I used to sign you, and now we find you. Life sounds so much better in the key of Benjamin Bloom with Sabri Lamucci, you little beauty. You can watch and hear more of that online. Singing to his own tune, Adrian Clark's here. Hi. Hitting the high notes, Simon Watts is here. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> and uh, the right keys in the wrong places for William Hill, Joe Critty, except that's fake news, Joe, because you're off to choir practice tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a secret. Shh, oh. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> can, can you give us a little song? No. Oh, go on. Absolutely not. No, really? No. Oh. I will keep asking you throughout. When's the show? Uh, never you mind, Adrian Clark. Is there actually a show? I bet there's a show. I there's just always you just a show. Went for choir practice. No. There's always actual... a show. So, so, what's the show about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I tend to meet up beforehand mm. in the pub. Oh, things happen so around me, pub. and then I go to the pub afterwards. So, yeah, the birth of <laughs> Arsenal Football Club, the birth of your song career, singing. Yeah. As it were. We'd never have Joe Crilly down as a, as a, as a choir singer, would you? Oh, Ever. You had me at karaoke, albeit doing Dr. Dre. Oh, no, me- <laughs> no, no memories of that karaoke. <laughs> uh, now we've embarrassed you. Simon Watts, the tiniest writing yes. in football journalism. Yes. I had a long night last night, so lots of notes written. I used to do that as a kid. I used to make up. Oh, this is my sad life. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just not going to tell you. If you won't sing, I won't tell them about my sad life. So much going on then around the EFL. Let's get straight into the championship. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. We have a title race. I repeat, we have a title race. After Wigan beat West Brom at the Hawthorns and Lee stumped whole 4-0, that's just a point between the Baggies and the Whites at the top. In the playoffs, it's all as you were last week, table-wise. Fulham, Forest, Brentford, Preston. Just five points separate Preston in sixth and Cardiff in 11th. So, the old all to play for in that. Middlesbrough missed a chance on Monday night to leave the relegation zone. There's a little bit of controversy in that, so maybe I won't talk about it. Uh, the piece of creativity happened between Reading and Barnsley at the weekend. Yedon tries to get it back for Pushkas. And now Yedon wins a diving header on the ground, and it's given as a foul. I didn't think that uh, Yedon should have been penalised for that uh, launch with his head bravely on the deck. That's it was really brave. What's, well, how's that a foul? That's not a foul. I, I don't understand why the referee stopped it. it it's madness, but it's not a foul. No. But a sour note, as Leeds keeper Kiko Kassia has been banned for eight matches after being found guilty of using racially abusive language towards Jonathan Lecco of Charlton. Ten matches to go then. There is a thing of beauty 
that is on the interweb about the little-known rules that could decide the bottom of the championship. But I'm not allowed to talk about it yet as much as I want to because we're going to start with West Brom nil, Wigan one. Wigan, it's all about the away form, right? Things turn around for them, Simon. Oh, it's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Four wins in 45 matches and then four wins out of their last six. Watching the performance as well, they fully deserved it. I mean, you know, they hit the post. It was a real end-to-end game. I think from a West Brom perspective, they've given themselves a little bit of distance and the teams below them seem to be stumbling enough for them to kind of afford a loss like that. But from a Wigan point of view, I watched their game at Reading last week as well mm. when they won 3-0. And, and given the fact that they lost Shea Dunkley to that horrible injury, Injury, the broken leg looks like he's going to be out for a long time. And let's not forget, he's their top scorer this season as well. So useful in both boxes. I mean, it, it, it's crazy at the bottom of the championship, isn't it? And, and a great story as well for Sam Morsey because he's from Wolverhampton, was let go by Wolves uh, as a teenager uh, and then pops up with the winning goal there. And interesting as well, he's been on nine bookings since Christmas and was given the captain's armband. And since then, he hasn't picked up one. Obviously, a two-game ban for him unless he avoids it until the end of March. And, and I noticed this with Rob Dickey at Oxford. They did exactly the same thing and, and he's kept clean. So is this a managerial tactic I've never known before? A player's on nine bookings, given the armband, and then they stop getting booked. Abby, can I talk about points now? Because he's brought up bookings and that does count towards what could possibly happen at the bottom of the table. Yes, good. <laughs> She's got no influence. So on, on that, right... Only three points separate Stoke, Charlton, Huddersfield and Hull. Ten games remaining. Wigan and Middlesbrough caught up in it as well. Stoke on Trent Live is a great place to go and see this, but loads of other websites have got it. There's a reasonable chance then at least two of the clubs will end up the same number of points, same number of goals scored and same number of goals conceded. They end up 21st and 22nd then. Who stays, who goes? Mm. It could all come down to a points rules order of precedence so it starts on points then it's goal difference then it's goals scored then respective league record against each other taking into account you know points goal difference goal scored etc number of wins goal scored in away games lowest number of total penalty points so we get to number seven in the list and we come to penalty points what's a penalty point oh i hear you cry so for a yellow card four penalty points which is, as you were saying, so that all could come into it. Denying the opposing team a goal of his goal-scoring opportunity by deliberate handball is another 10 penalty points. So it all racks up. There's all these things that could come into it. It's better than drawing lots, right? But it all gets well, a bit what messy. What about a playoff? Oh, yeah, can't you just have a playoff? Yeah, that comes right down. Right down so after So penalty got... points are ahead of a playoff? Spitting at an opponent or any other person is 12 penalty points. I don't know if that's just anyone or someone <laughs> on the pitch. Uh, the playoff is number nine in the list. Lowest number of sending off offences, which attract 12 penalty points, comes above playoffs. <laughs> Imagine getting relegated on a couple of bookings or a red card or something like that, especially if it's like a really contentious one. Mm. Surely it won't happen. So you well, can't, they're trying to stamp out the Luis Suarez of this world. Well, who, I mean, the, stamp the out Hamburg. maybe not the right phrase. <laughs> to throw in. But I think that's right. Sort out the discipline. Oh, it's not going to happen, is it? I, I just want to see a playoff. Oh. Well, you've got to wait until there's other eight. It's not going to happen, is it? I don't think we're going to get to stage nine, are we? Go on then, talk about West Brom. On that, by the way. I enjoyed that, if no one else On what Simon was saying, it's an interesting one, because when I was a captain later on in my career, when I was down in the National League, I definitely did get more pally with refs, because you kind of got a responsibility Mm. to get them on your side. It's a little bit sneaky, but you try and be a mate of the refs, because... In those borderline moments, if he, you, you never know, and you don't, you certainly don't want to be the guy that is constantly badgering the ref and, and annoying him. So, I kind of get it. Should you ever be addressed by a referee by your first name, 
or should it be ser- if you're a player, or should it always be the number? No, Joe. No. So if I'm the referee and I'm about to talk to you, should I call you Joe, Krilly, or number 10? I reckon Krilly. Simon? <laughs> I reckon you want to be <laughs> like a head teacher. Terms, uh, the more you get on with the referee on a human level, no, surely the more the respect you sh- get. Should the referee be addressing the player on a first name term? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I do no issue with that at all. To be honest, if they, they address me by the first name, I felt quite chuffed. It's like, oh, he knows me. <laughs> So, so, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have any issue with that. I, I don't want to create a barrier between players and refs. I, I, I am definitely of the old school where you should be allowed to talk um, like grown-ups. And, um, Why are you on this show? <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. Do you want to talk about Wigan? Yeah, go on. Um, no, really impressed with, with them. Um, on that away form, they've got this amazing rec- record of, of scoring first. So I think they've scored the opener on the road in 11 matches, and it's only lately that they've been able to convert those early goals into victories. So what's happened to change it? I think that that, that they've revamped the defence a little bit. Uh, Balogun came in mm. from Brighton. I think he he's formed a really good partnership with Cedric uh, Keeper. And, and the keeper's playing well, I think, David Marshall. But it, I think now what's happening is just a snowball effect, isn't it? It's just confidence. Ten shots on target at Red in the game that you were at. More possession than West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns and haven't been there a few times this season. That's amazing because West Brom love to just pass it around and, and for five, ten minutes at a time and always go anywhere, but that, that's that's the way they are. So so I think we're going to be fine. I've looked at their running as well. Three against the top half sides, mm. seven against bottom half sides. It's all in their hands now. Although I'm, saying that how well they've done at West Brom and Leeds, give them as many top half sides <laughs> yeah, as you like. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I love Keeper Moore. I've got a bit of a yeah. lower league obsession with Keeper Moore. It's a great story. I know you talked about it on this program already, coming from from non-league and everything like that. But I mean, he's he slipped in Jamal Lowe right on the full-time whistle there with a beautiful touch and and ball through. And yeah, he has a touch of the old school about him. But I think people underestimate him as a footballer as well. And you know, I look at Ipswich that we're going to talk about later and how desperately they could need a player like that. You know, having had him on their books and developed him and now seeing him playing in the championship with Wigan and, and you know I think this is a player who's still got a top end championship moving him to be honest and Jamal Lowe's done Hampton and, and Co and Harrow he's, he's another of those that's come through the ranks he kind of want to see them do well and stay up Leeds then uh, 4-0 winners at, at Hull kind of done and dusted we've spoken a lot or heard a lot about that over the past few days can we talk though about Jude Bellingham 16 years old Birmingham City and the latest whispers He's been linked with Borussia Dortmund for some £30 million. If you're a young player, Adrian, mm-hmm. would you head off to play in Borussia Dortmund? The, the initial talk was that he was going to Man United, wasn't it? A lot, a lot of the Premier League clubs were looking at him. Would you keep still playing your trade in the Championship? Uh, oh, it, it's a tough one. I, I certainly wouldn't be against going to Dortmund. I'd, I'd probably rather go to Dortmund than Manchester United in his shoes. I think the best thing for his immediate development would be to get bought and be loaned straight back to Birmingham where he's got a home, he's a, he's a key part of the side now and he's getting game time, guaranteed game time and that's what you want to, to continue de- your development. What I will say in, about Dortmund is that they've got a proven track record of giving the kids a go um, they love that style of player the exciting, talented midfielders um, doesn't matter what age you are and and look, if Sancho does come back, there's a little opening there, isn't there, for him? I, I certainly wouldn't uh, advise him to go to Manchester United and then stay there because I don't think he's quite ready 
for for that step up yet. Or I don't think he'll get the opportunities rather at Manchester United that he, that he might do in Germany. The interesting thing is everyone's saying his younger brother is is better Ooh, than him, wow. so could be another one perhaps on on the way. Yeah, it, you're right. All depend on whether Sancho's there as well. What happens with them? But all the rumours certainly that that is a done deal for Jude Bellingham. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Relegation dogfights, then big matches down the bottom this weekend. Wigan Luton, Charlton Borough, Stoke Hull, Barnsley, Cardiff. You told me you were having sleepless nights over your Barnsley prep. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> well, I happened to take a look at their last six games right. of the season. and they're... Hang on, sleepless nights over prep? I only do it in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> they're nothing. I joke. Their, their final three <laughs> games <laughs> of the season, away at Leeds, home to Nottingham Forest, and then they end the season away at Brentford, an ominous final three fixtures. But their three games before that are against Stoke, away, Luton away and Wigan at home. Teams in and around them as we stand in the table at the minute. But their league position shouldn't come as a massive surprise because since Gerhard Strube has gone in there, they'd actually be 10th in the table if you began the season from the moment he took over above Preston and Bristol City. So yeah, they were beaten at at, Bar- at, uh, at Reading at the weekend, but I think they created 23 opportunities in that game. And by all accounts, but for the keeper, oh, mm. would have should have won that game. And their form, three wins in a row before that, you know, I know a lot of teams have found their form in the bottom three as we've been talking about but you know Barnsley are a team that excite me I I, I, I like a lot of their players Jacob Brown I like Cordy Woodrow and they're a team who I think are really upwardly mobile and of all of those teams of Wigan Luton I think they're the ones who could sustain it yeah we, we always look for who they've got who's the striker that can maybe help them stay up and you're right they look like they're on their toes at the moment they look look like they're bouncing mm. Luton then on the flip side of that, well, well, they've picked up, haven't they? They've they've changed their style. They're they're not as pretty as they used to be. That's for sure. Um, they hung in there at the weekend, didn't they? I don't think they were. I don't think they were the better side against Stoke. They they had to withstand a bit of an early barrage. They got a bit of luck with the penalty, and and they pick up another point. I, I still think Luton are among the three weakest teams in the division. Still, I think that up, up front is a big issue there as well with Barnsley. You, you feel like there's a bit more goals in them now. Mm. That they are regular. That isn't that isn't a one-off, by the way. No. Having twenty shots in a the game, they've kind of made that a habit. Barnsley, so so they're creating enough chances. Are Luton? I don't think so. Not certainly not in open play. They're very dangerous from from set pieces. So I'd, I'd still have them down in the bottom three by the end of the season. But there's no doubt that they've improved of late. Luton go to Wigan then. Barnsley take on Cardiff at home. Completing that bottom three as it stands. Middlesbrough. We saw Steve Gibson come out this week. And does anyone want to label it a vote of confidence? Because it it was so clear that he has every faith in Jonathan Woodgate and those lines, whatever happens, whatever happens, he's backing him. Yeah. I mean, it's all well and good standing by your manager and, you know, he's saying things like Jonathan's not the problem. He's going to stick with him no matter what. Uh, Signals certainly that Steve Gibson's aware of underlying problems at the football club that a new manager might not necessarily um, solve. However, fans vote with their feet 
and fans are going to be so vocal. You know, Middlesbrough are synonymous with booze at the full-time whistle, aren't they, really? And, you know, they're a team absolutely plunging at the minute. Haven't won since New Year's Day. I just think that this is a team... You've seen it with big teams before, haven't we? With the likes of Sheffield United mm. and Leeds and Ipswich last season. You know, big clubs who are seemingly on paper too good to go down. I think Middlesbrough are that team this year. I, I mm. can't see them getting out of it unless you know someone like Ravel Morrison, who was their January gamble, can suddenly find some form and he's only played a couple of times. You know, that that's really, I think, their only hope. They have, and and I know we've spoken previously about conversations mm. I've had with Jonathan Woodgate <laughs> post-match and things, but. He has always expressed what he's trying to do and the fans in return have, have spoken about backing what he's trying to do, one of our own and all of the above. But he had this mitigating circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that they're backing him. I, I really do. And he's standing his ground with people like your good self and, and, and fighting his own corner, as he should do. Um, I just feel like it, it's a big old job for him and he's learning... As he goes, he's definitely made mistakes as he goes. I think he's, he's constantly changing the team. I have to say, pre-January, I thought they were absolutely fine. I thought they were playing like a mid-table team and they'd be OK. He lost his keeper, that was big. Mm. Centre-half got injured, that was big. Strikers suddenly lost all of their form. That's obviously really important. And what he's left with is a lot of young players, really. And are they equipped mentally for, for, for what is going to be a relegation dogfight? I but do, again, that's not his uh, fault, is it? It's not. Um, no, not necessarily his fault. No. I, I mean, what is his... Mm. I, it's, it's hard because ultimately it's the player's responsibility. I would just say that he, he started out with a philosophy. He pretty much changed it didn't he? He became much more pragmatic when results didn't didn't pay off with the free-flowing football. And now I don't really know what Middlesbrough are. I think he's... I've played for managers like this who, who are a little bit sometimes too emotional. And when you have a defeat, it's like, oh, no, it's a disaster. Can't do that again. Now I'm going to try this. And, and you, you get in this cycle of trying something different almost every week. The players don't know whether they're coming and going. Mm. I think we're seeing that with Ipswich at the moment with Paul Lambert with team selection being strange, players playing in different positions. So, so no, I, I think he's got himself into a pickle and it feels like the job is a bit big for him at, at this stage. But I really do hope he turns it around and keeps them up and, and, and that he can be a manager in the long term. Right, we'll get the odds from you, Joe, in just a minute. So gird your loins. Stoke, Charlton, Wigan, Hull. Uh, Adrian, Stoke lost three matches in 2020. No, I, I think Stoke are going to be OK. Um, I know that they're there or thereabouts, but the form overall across the last 10 or 12 games under O'Neill has been pretty solid. They're, they're up there in the top half of, of the form table. It's, about, it's a more balanced team now. I think he's just got to work out who to play up front, Tyrese Campbell. I think the pace of him definitely gives them a, a more more possibilities to stretch opponents. But then you've got Vokes, who, who's very good in the air and, and a seasoned campaigner. So, so you've got to work that out. But, but I think they will be OK. And I think that they will beat Hull City this weekend. That is a huge, huge game. Mm. I, honestly, I think... Talk about Middlesbrough being in bad shape. <laughs> what about Hull? I mean, they are... They are in absolute free fall. Are you, are you surprised by that, you two? Oh, I mean, how do you like? You lose your two best players in the January window and 
then you lose Tom Eaves mm. to injury for the rest of the season a couple mm. of weeks ago. I mean, it's you can only work with what you've got. And mm. you know, again, you look at a manager there in Grant McCann, how much responsibility does he take or how much is it those those above him who've, who've made the decisions to move those players on and not really replace them either? I think they eight defeats out of their last 10. They were 250 to one to go down in January. They're five to one to go down now. Mm, yeah, since Jared Bowen scored the winner on New Year's Day, Eight defeats, two draws. Apart from the 4-4, they've scored four goals in nine of those ten games. Four goals in nine, plus that 4-4. It's it's just, it's not good enough. I I don't blame Graham McCann at all for this. He had a philosophy, a way of playing. It worked brilliantly on the counter-attack. And they've basically just robbed him of his two best counter-attacking mm. players. And, and you look at the team now, you look at that 11 that he's picking, and I know that they're, that they're depleted by a lot of injuries. It looks League One. It really does. I don't think it's... The team he's got right now is not championship quality, unfortunately, and I fear they will be sucked into it. We shouldn't be surprised, though. Why did Nigel Atkins walk away in the summer without another job lined up? Why would you leave a championship club who he did well with last season mm. at Hull? So why, why would you walk away? I, mean, I think that says it all. Mm. Hull in 18th on 41 points. So Middlesbrough occupy that, that third place in the relegation places. They're on 38 points. And then you've got Stoke, Charlton and Wigan in between there. So uh, both of you, if I'm reading you right, you're saying out of those ones above that, that Hull are the ones that you fear most for? I think Luton, Hull, and I, I, still, I, think, I still think Barnsley might go, but, but they'll be very unfortunate too. There's, they're the team that I, out of all of them down there, I don't want to go because I love what Lee Bowyer has done at Charlton Athletic. But I think it's so important that he keeps Lyle Taylor fit mm. and Macaulay Bourne as well because I look at their squad, he's absolutely maximising it, but they shouldn't even be where they are, really. They should be in the bottom three. And I saw them at Huddersfield on Saturday. They were spanked 4-0 and it was a right thumping. And I just fear they might just not have enough mm. to stay over the dotted line. I think they've got character and I think that's... That, they're in the spirit of the gaffer and I think that might just see them over the line and they've got a quartet of strikers mm. that they can choose from that are all goal scorers they can all score at that level so I think they'll score enough it's clean sheets I think they've only got six this season which is like there's only two teams that have got got fewer clean sheets that's been their problem and moving forwards Lee Bowie needs needs to strengthen that, that rear guard hugely um, for next season I think they'll just survive can I just put a little bit of gloss on before we get the odds from Joe? Well done to Charlton Athletic, by the way, and Portsmouth and Cambridge United. They all won the uh, inaugural Community Project of the Year awards from the EFL. I mean, I know that's only one little bright spark, but you're right. I think they'll be okay. I think Charlton Open will be okay. Open top bus parade? Yeah, I'm doing that. They deserve it. Uh, Marini would count it, wouldn't he? <laughs> he really would, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, I enjoyed it uh, again. Joe, are they right? Who's staying up? Who's going down? Uh, well, the three favourites in the market at the moment are Luton at one to five, Barnsley one to three, and Charlton at five to four. But it is really congested, as obviously the table shows. Uh, the odds are also reflecting that Middlesbrough nine to four, so uh, just behind Charlton there. Hull five to two, Wigan five to one, Stoke, Sheffield Wednesday, and Huddersfield all eight to one. I'm not sure what's going on with Sheffield Wednesday and potential points deduction. I think yeah. I think there's a deadline, isn't there, of April? So it may well roll into next season's points tally Rather at which point getting sucked into it yeah at which point that eight to one looks ridiculously short but i do know. love the fact that we're all saying huddersfield are okay and the cowleys are the mm. the saviors of everything beyond championship done then on to league one oh look who's just popped into the studio it's only producer abby hey caroline now abby i imagine that you're 
quite the creative kitchen. I don't know why, I just get that feeling. You know what, Caroline, you just, some days, and I'm sure you get it too, when mm. you're just bogged down looking at all the stats and scores from the EFL and just can't be bothered to cook and you end up snacking before you know it. You've eaten half a block of cheese. Chocolate. Never happened. No, don't know no, what I don't know what I'm talking about. That was until, of course, that I came across HelloFresh, which has been an excellent life hack because I don't have to make any decisions in the kitchen anymore, but still get to cook yummy food and doesn't really take that much time. Most of the recipes done in about 20 minutes or less. It's great. Hang on, hang on. Just looking into it now. Uh, they say all the ingredients are exactly pre-proportioned or pre-portioned. They might be pre-proportioned. I'm not sure what that means. No. Uh, from spices to vegetables, meaning there's absolutely no food waste. And it's a flexible subscription, so I can uh, skip a week or, or cancel at any time. Yeah, it's great, absolutely. And I, I didn't waste any food at all, not that I ever would. Uh, but I had delicious meals, notably the chicken pasta bake, and I had some left over for lunch the next day and was the envy of the office. Oh, uh, I wasn't in on that day, right? No, 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 no. no. So why are you telling me about this now? Well, because HelloFresh is offering you and the listener, of course, 50% off your first box and 35% off your next three boxes. Right. All you have to do is go to hellofresh.co.uk use the code football show that's all one word by the way uh, to receive 50% off your first box and 35% off your next three so that's what so that is hellofresh.co.uk code football show all one word to get 50% off the first box and 35% off the next three magic this is the totally football league show with caroline barker This is the Totally Football League show. Thank you to everyone that's been in touch with us. You can via social media or any other means just stop Joe in the street and ask him to sing to League One. And there's a change at the head of the table. Coventry defeated Sunderland 1-0. Matt Godden scoring after two minutes and they rode it out. Rotherham drew with Milton Keynes to allow the switcheroo at the top. South End are under an EFL transfer embargo because they owe so much money. They'll owe 668 £1,000 to HM Revenue and Customs by 11th of March, which a further month stacked up behind. Incredible that it's got to that stage. Fleetwood beat Ipswich, leaving Paul Lambert saying the expectancy levels at the club are a big ask for his squad. Blackpool appoint Neil Critchley as we shoehorned into the top as their new coach. And uh, the Beast has become Wickham's top league scorer. Akinfenra scored during Wanderers' 3-1 loss to Doncaster. <sighs> Southend... Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, it's a real concern, isn't it? I, look, the chairman Ron Martin is is trying to be bullish about it, saying, "Look, we're just going to refinance. It, it we'll get everything in place very quickly for this season, and it will tide us over for next season." He's he's talking positively. Why? Why though? Have they got the eighth? He says they've got the eighth highest wage bill yeah, in well, League One. I'm not completely surprised about that. They've they've always paid okay at, at South End, um, which is which is why. They should be doing so much better. It's mm. the recruitment was awful, wasn't it? I think the the decision to to let Chris Powell go, obviously friend of the show here, let him go was was just a, a criminal decision, really, and and it's been horrendous ever since. Um, poor old soul's got nothing to work with at the moment. It's just a bunch of kids that aren't really aren't getting paid on time. It's they're going down, and I'm, I honestly believe this. I think if they were in League Two this season. They would be right down there with Stevenage at the bottom of League Two. That's how bad South End are at the moment. So I desperately hope they'll be okay. I haven't. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I haven't heard anyone say that the future of South End United is in doubt. Mm. So, so I take that as a positive. I see you out the corner of my eye, Joe, just with that sage nod mm-hmm. as a as a Bolton fan. But having 
again, as a fan of a club that's that's seen them go through these sorts of things and then the whispers and the rumours and is there another winding up, is administration coming, there's more money owed and it just, uh, as a fan, makes you think, God, how, how do we get out of it? If you don't have someone with a load of cash that's going to come in and buy the club or sort things out instantly, you yeah, just get stuck back in it. It just has to be a, a complete reset and I yeah. think Bolton fans have aligned themselves to the fact that that is what's going to happen, that Bolton are going to go down and, and clear the decks everything's planning for the future and I think South End fans have to pretty much get get on board with, with going down this season they're a ridiculously short price to, to get relegated and just now? start again uh, I think it's one to a thousand to go down same price as Bolton so yeah. uh, I'll have a thousand on it <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that <laughs> Uh, sounds like good finances, given everything that we've we've uh, just discussed. Uh, I do want to talk about Blackpool, Neil Critchley coming in, but it seems not financially, but sort of the right time to talk about Ipswich and Paul Lambert's comments that the club's expectations are are too high. Thirty three points from the opening fifteen matches, um, and with the game in hand, they were top of the table. Now just nineteen points from twenty games, and now they're they're ninth. Seemingly. If you throw ninth at Ipswich fans at the start of the season, what would they have thought about that? They wouldn't have been very impressed with that. So ninth now, what would their feelings be on Mr. Lambert? Sack, sack Lambert. I mean, I've looked looked at all the, the on the social at the weekend, and and they were very much against the manager, against the ownership as well, actually. And and obviously the defeat to Fleetwood it will have intensified the pressure. It has to go down as one of the daftest decisions in the history of English football <laughs> or recent history to, what, give, to give Paul Lambert a five-year deal mm. on New Year's Day in the middle of a winless run. And it's it's got worse, hasn't it, since then? I mean, I hope for their sake there's some kind of clause in there where they don't have to pay up five years of a contract. But I look at the team and I look at his decisions and they are haphazard. It's changing all the time. I mean, a 3 five, one, one. Last night against Fleetwood, changed it at half-time, brought a kid in for his debut in central midfield, McGavin, hauled him off at half-time, quite unfortunate for the kid, I think, because I don't think he was at fault, changed it again, picked the wrong team, basically, for Fleetwood. And I think that, that a lot of the supporters believe that he's been picking the wrong team for, for a number of weeks now. Yeah, I mean, I watched that game last night and Fleetwood absolutely outclassed them. By the way, I think they're one of the outstanding teams at the moment on form mm. in League One. However, you know, again, I saw Ipswich lose at home to Oxford a couple of weeks ago and again, they were flat and outplayed mm. and that's not with my yellow tinted glasses on either. It's happening time and again, obviously James Norwood is out, Caden Jackson suspended, which is their two top joint top scorers missing for them but yeah, going back to that point on giving Paul Lambert the five year contract at, at Christmas doesn't that just underline the level of, of common sense that we're dealing with here with people who are running football clubs why would you get, why would any club give any manager a five year deal let alone when yeah. you're on a terrible yeah. run of form and you've been relegated the season yes. before. And so, oh, yeah, it was starstruck or what? I mean, I, they talked, didn't they, about the connection, bringing Marcus Evans has given Lambert credit for repairing the relationship between the supporters and the club. Well, the fans have been turning out, mm. haven't they? But I think Ipswich should have been at the top end of the table first half of the season anyway. That's what they were. I don't think he done, he's done anything special. OK, he did a good job earlier on. It's definitely going wrong. I think he's getting himself into more and more of a mess. And they look, and you used the word flat there. That is a common theme. Lack of intensity, not a lot of fight. I mean, these are all signs 
of a team, of a group of players that aren't really in it for the manager? Are they, have they lost faith in his ability to guide them back into the championship? It looks to me as if the players have. They were booed off at the end and they were calling for Lambert out during the game and mm. they were calling for Marcus Evans out during the game. The atmosphere is becoming toxic. You know, I'd have a manager transfer window. You know, I wouldn't give them any contracts and you just do it in that transfer window period. But who are we to call for managers to be sacked? We would never do that. Fixtures then. Sunderland, Gillingham, uh, Posh Pompey. Who wants to take mm. what? Um, yeah, good game, isn't it? I mean, Peterborough would be happy to be back at home, I think. They're, they're, they're incredible home record. I think 14 goals in their last four. But they've had a, they've had a little blip, haven't they? I think Tony's been out. That's made a big difference. Sammy Smodix, who'd been just ripping it up, he, he he's had a slight dip. I know that the manager um, had, a, had a pop at him at the weekend. I also think they've missed Frankie Kent, who's the centre-half. Formed a really good sort of relationship with with Beavers at the back. So different different reasons um, why why they've just flattened out a little bit. But but this this will have a big game feel, won't it? And I, I would imagine that both teams will be bang up for this. For me, it's the two strongest squads, not necessarily teams, but strongest squads meeting in the division. And uh, Pompey they rested quite a few players actually against Arsenal, mm. rightly or wrongly, in the cup on on Monday night. But Kenny Jacket, you know, he made the point they're going to Wembley next month. They're going to have sixty plus games come the end of this season so they're going to need that squad badly and you know Posh beat Oxford 4-0 after their FA Cup match against Newcastle last month so again they might be playing Pompey at a good time here after that Cup game on Monday night but interestingly Portsmouth's only dropped points since New Year's Day have come against Fleetwood and Coventry so their record against the teams in and around them in the table and I do genuinely feel this season more than ever in League One there's a massive gulf between the top half and bottom half you know Mm. there's a lot of teams that the top half of the table are really wiping the floor with this season so this has like you say got a a real big match feel about it because I think everybody down to about ninth in that league will feel they can still get into the top two Mm. particularly when you look at it actually I wonder how much this plays into your thinking Joe but the the run-ins that they've all got Rotherham have got quite a, a tough one I know Sunderland out of all of them seem like they've got the the nicer run into at home to Gillingham this weekend and I still feel that that they can I think that was huge that moment that game we were at was huge for a momentum switch had Sunderland won that I had every confidence they were going to go on and go up in that in that top yeah I just just, seeing them in the flesh like that I felt they had their limitations Mm. It, it was it was a little bit sort of plan a Plan A and a bit. There was no real plan B or plan C. And they lacked guile, that's for sure. I think that they're capable of overpowering the weaker teams, as you've rightly pointed out about that golf. But against the teams that have got a little bit extra, Sunderland don't look as good, I have to say. This will be an ugly game. I mean, I think is it the fourth meeting of the season. We've, we've not had more than two goals in any of the games so far. Um, Yes, Steve, Steve Evans will be looking to go on another unbeaten run. Obviously disappointed to lose to Wimbledon. So, so yeah, I don't I don't think I'd be buying a ticket for this one, I'm afraid. Yeah, Sunderland <laughs> just don't do it for me. I know they've had a good run and I know they're now in the top six. Fair play to them. But exactly like you say, I think they're functional. But you know, I saw them when they beat Oxford a few weeks ago. This isn't sour grapes, but they scored an early goal and they clung on for 88 minutes. And they were, they were high-fiving and, and hugging each other when the ball was going out for a goal kick and attacks were breaking down. I'm thinking, you know, 
this is Sunderland. You shouldn't be behaving like this, you know, against a, a smaller team, really. But it's funny that this was the turning point in the season for them when they played Gillingham in the reverse fixture earlier mm. this season. They beat them in the league and cup. You had the pictures of a couple of the players in McDonald's eating a burger after the game and everyone wanted Parkinson out. And that seems to have been the, the point where it somehow galvanised them and they went, went on a good run. Mm. Posh Pompey, Sunderland, Gillingham, then Joe Crilly. Uh, well, I, I was just looking at the um, the prices actually for total match goals uh, in the Sunderland Gillingham game. Mm. Uh, Adrian said he'd, he'd be surprised to see t- uh, more than two. We've got nine to four for two goals, three to uh, three to one for one goal, and fifteen to two for a nil nil draw. Uh, but where's if that thousand pounds going then? <laughs> <laughs> um, but just in uh, in straight up match odds, Sunderland are odds on to beat Gillingham four to five, the away side fifteen to four, and the draw twelve to five, and Peterborough versus Portsmouth. Peterborough six to five to win at home. Portsmouth two to one, and the draw five to two. Quick word before we leave League One then on Neil Critchley leaving Liverpool's under twenty threes for Blackpool. Yeah, well, good luck to him first and foremost. But if, you know, welcome to the to the big league, so to speak. I know that he's left Liverpool, but it's a different kettle of whole fish. World apart, yeah, a whole world apart. Yeah, so he's he, his brief is completely different now. It was all about developing players. Now it's all about just winning. Although, you know, you listen to the quotes from the owner, um, Simon Sadler. Basically, he's saying it was all about his blueprint for the future. He wants to change the philosophy and and give Blackpool a a clear identity, high intensity, positive front foot attacking football. Love the sound of that. And in an interview, I, I bet it sounded awesome. Uh, and I hope that they are able to to fulfil that. But the problem that a lot of managers like Neil have, have found down the years is you go in with those ideas and then suddenly results, to keep your job, you need results and you have to walk away from some of your principles. So interesting times ahead ahead for Blackpool. I hope I hope they can become the team that he dreams they can be. Mm. But, but I think it will take a lot of work and a, and a really good pre-season working with a group of players he's got he has got a good group to work with I think that's in his favour and how does it both of you think it measures up to the the names that were linked with it to or at least asked about it in in Richie Wellens and and Robinson as well I I think they're all managers who come with a background of developing players and maybe that's a sign of of where Blackpool want to go because I think they will be well back next year their January signing certainly suggests they've got a bit of financial clout now but the style of football I think is going to be quite important to them and you know when it's a first-time managerial job your first time dealing with senior players I think you have to give managers time you look at Michael Appleton took a few years at various different clubs to to finally sort of find his feet as mm. a manager and you look at like Sir Paul Clement uh, Michael Jolly at Grimsby these well qualified uh, coaches who come with you know in the case of Neil Critch the references from Jurgen Klopp well that's all well and good but when you're managing Blackpool at Accrington and places like that you know you, you're going to have to grind out results and you're not always going to be able to play great yeah, football the big difference is dealing with grown ups it, it sounds really simplistic but, but there'll be a whole fresh set of problems for him um other than talking to the young players. I think they'll love him on the training ground. By all accounts, he's an amazing coach. He's a truly elite coach on the training ground, but he will have man management issues and uh, big decisions to make, difficult decisions to make. And it's how he handles that side of the job, I think, mm. that will probably make or break it. And, and hopefully, hopefully he's got that skill set as well. 
And um, recruitment is key as well, by the way, isn't it? Like recruitment in any job you ask any manager, they have to get the recruitment right. And I think, you know, hopefully with the contacts he's got from <laughs> yeah. his point of view, yeah. that'll be fine in the loan market. But, yeah, you know, people like Gary Medine, for instance, seasoned professional at that play at that level should be a great player. But he's probably also going to be a, an experience to manage. Mm. So Liverpool out the Champions League, they win the Premier League and Mo Salah comes on loan to the end of the season. Is that what you say? <laughs> yeah, never going to happen. On to League Two then. Well, today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. Through in-depth coverage from local writers on every team like Phil Hay and Nancy Frostick to national writers you already know, like David Ornstein and Amy Lawrence, The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. There are no ads, pop-ups, clickbait, just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. Get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. Each subscriber gets a personalised feed of stories, live writer Q&As, podcasts and much more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favourite team and the Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest on the players and storylines that should matter to you. Ready to get started? Well, for 40%, that's 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash league. That's theathletic.com forward slash league. League two on the Totally Football League show, Macclesfield haven't paid their players Again, it's the fourth time this season it's happened. The PFA have contacted the club about it. Oldham have been served with a winding up petition over unpaid taxes, not affecting them. They're on the pitch, uh, thumping Newport 5-0 at the weekend, leaving uh, Mr Flynn. He's worried about his job security, apparently. Uh, interesting article on that. Uh, a number of the, the local papers picking up on that too, on Flynn and his future. Swindon remain top of the league after beating Scunthorpe on Tuesday, extending their league lead to three points with the game in hand. Exeter and crew drew 1-1 one, one with each other. As a result, Plymouth are now in the automatics on goal difference following their victory over Grimsby. That was also on Tuesday. Sam Parkin is not here. But he says, and I quote, In my absence, please ask Simon all about Swindon and the Ginger Pele's return to form. Simon. Oh, well, you know, as an Oxford United supporter, I'm delighted to see them where they are at the top of the... No, I mean, what a signing permanently. And Jerry Yates as well, by the way, because he might not get the volume of goals of Owen Doyle, but he's certainly, you know, above League Two level, really. Mm. Uh, Two goals last night and two really good finishes. The second one in particular, uh, Michael Doughty, though, pulling the strings in midfield. I love him for Swindon. I think he is a good player. I'm going to get a lot of pelters for this much praise, aren't I? But I cannot see them being caught. You know, they're they're the real deal this year, Swindon, and there's no one, I think, even near their class this year. That's done and dusted, and he'll save that for his ringtone. So we'll go on to Crew Steve. It's the 8th anniversary yesterday, by the way, of Oxford beating Swindon 2 0. So just <laughs> chuck that Nearly, in. just at the end. Don't cut that out, Abby. Uh, cuts, it's gone. Crew Stevenage at the weekend, and Salford Bradford. Where yeah, are you going? I, well, I'm going to talk about Stevenage briefly. I mean,. <laughs> it's really. I don't want to talk about Stephen. We don't need to because that noise says it. All. Yeah, exactly. Forty-two players they've used this season. Forty-two players. Crew have used twenty-four. So, so that tells you quite a lot about the instability. Can't make any case, I'm afraid, for for my former team here. Away from home, one mm. win, seven eight, seven draws, ten defeats. I mean, they're, they're capable of picking up points, but that was based on a rock solid defence. They went kind of ultra defensive, didn't they, under under Mark Sampson? They moved away from that under under Wesley during that brief stint, uh, and and they're continuing to try and play now. But are they good enough? Uh, and and you have to look at the results, the performances, and say they're not 
they're not good enough. They, they look very sluggish to me at the back. Um, not a lot of pace. And, and when I think of crew, there's a lot of pace in the in the crew side. So, yeah, yeah I, I feel a little bit. For, they've got a couple of loanees, Charlie Lakin from Birmingham, Dan Kemp from, from West Ham, promising young players. And I feel for them because they're getting a really negative experience in, in league football, playing for a team that just can't score, can't seem to, to, to pick up any any wins. So, Is it so, done? No, it's not done because because of the Macrosford situation. And, and you look at that, they've got four suspended points, haven't they, mm. um, from the initial um, fine where they got docked six. I mean, if they're paying their players late, what is the point of a suspended penalty if they're not going to implement it? I expect that four-point penalty to come into play, which brings them much closer to Stevenage. So, no, I think, I think there is every reason for Stevenage players not to give up on this fight. Eight points behind them at the moment, but Stephen's got a game in hand too. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look back to three years ago, Michael Flynn, as we were talking about in his first managerial job. So a similar situation to the one Alex Ravella's walked into and, and you know, kept them up mm. miraculously. I mean, it would take a miracle, I think, on the pitch, unless Macclesfield are deducted points for Stevenage to stay up because, you know, Morecambe look fast improving uh, under Derek Adams as well. Um, it's just they've looked completely lost all direction, haven't they, really? A club lauded for its leadership at Stevenage down the years, but, you know, four different managers this year. And, you know, he's got Russell Slade working alongside him so an experienced head there too but yeah uh, I can't see it happening really yeah you, you talk about crew right 4-3-3 pretty much every week 4-3-3 Stevenage just the 11 different formations this season they haven't used the same they haven't used one system more than seven times I noticed so I mean it's little wonder they look such a mess it's there's, there's absolutely no tactical stability there at all that Salford Bradford game for Salford, 47 points. So they're, what, six, seven, eight, nine, nine points off at the moment off those those playoffs. Bradford just above them, but on 54 points as well, just above them in the league, but with those that point advantage too. I, is that Salford? Mm. So there's there's your little bit. So well, they, no, that makes uh, Bradford favourites. Exactly, because of that Bradford pitch. <laughs> but there's, there are such high demands on this Salford yeah. team. I just don't feel it this season. Well, no, but I think they've... They, they, I think there's a lot they can feel proud about Salford. I, th- I think they, they'll be fine moving forwards. I'd fancy them next season to, to have a much better push. And the they've, cup run does it. They've, they've, it? Yeah, they've they've um, recruited players that are probably not at the level. They've recruited League One players. I mm. think Salford. So, so, so in time they'll be, they'll be fine. They've probably left it too late. Home form's been the issue. I, I mean, they've been rubbish on home on home territory, which has been a surprise. A bit sensational away from home, aren't they? Incredibly hard to beat so so this is a really fascinating game because Bradford will be buzzing after beating Plymouth um, and yeah that pitch at Bradford I mean God, goodness me that was um, that was just a stinker wasn't it but but fair play and they'll, they'll be pleased to be away from it Salford winning one of their last eight at home four overall this season yeah I followed Salford quite closely because I worked on the documentary with them last year and I think Graham Alexander is in a difficult situation having come up this season because it was back to back promotions mm. he took over the side last year that had just come up and there were players they showed loyalty to like Carl Pierre Gianni like Liam Hogan a few of the squad that got them back to back promotions but realistically probably weren't at the level then to take them on to, into League One so he was kind of caught in a scenario where it was always likely to be a transition of okay let's give these guys a chance and see what they can do out of you know goodwill however you know they're 
probably going to have to make the kind of signings like they did in January now to take them up to the next level. But you know, they're always a club that is going to want probably more uh, than they can get at this stage. And I think that's that's the kind of issue where it makes it very difficult as their manager. But did you like the way? And I saw this in in the trophy game, the way he tactically approaches things, Alex. And if you were sat with him in the dressing room, I kind of feel like. You listen, you understand, you see what he's what he's trying to do and you buy into it. Yeah, I mean, he's got calmness about him, yeah. but he's definitely, definitely got an edge because they're bits <laughs> I saw that didn't make it to the telly. <laughs> but uh, he's definitely got an edge. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's... Anyone to expect a team, even when you've got the financial backing of Salford City, to go for three straight promotions? The football league's very different as well, I think, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, from their perspective as well, you know, they've got a trip to Wembley Stadium. By the way, they've only got 3,000 tickets for that game at Wembley, where I think Pompey have already sold over 35,000 tickets incredible. for that one. Yeah. But, you know, you'll forget, you sometimes forget that for all their financial clout, you know, this is a club that were only five, six years ago getting 200 people through the gate. It's a really small club, yeah. When you go there, you think, yeah, you, you know about their ambition, mm. but you think, well, this is this is probably a non-league size club, sort for City. So they're, they're doing really well. I think they've got one of the best managers in the division, if if I'm being honest. Yeah. I really rate. Alexander, this will be a fascinating game because Salford, like we said, are poor at home. Bradford, rubbish on on the road. I think it's five months since they since they won away. So, so they've got a point to prove to to Stuart McCall, who's, who's kind of you, you get the feeling that he'll get the fire burning again uh, with the Bantam. So um, yeah, this is, I, I I see a few goals in this game. So we're saying with Salford, it actually wouldn't hurt. Everyone wants to go up when you can go up, right? But it actually wouldn't hurt to to be in that league for another season enjoy that that moment at Wembley whatever yeah. comes with that I team. remember Joe, we were talking about Salford at the start of the season with the odds and stuff and Salford weren't they favourites or they were really high second, up second yeah. favourites behind Bradford yeah really high up I think me and Sam both agreed no no chance they're not going to go up this year In this, this summer coming I think they should be should start a shorter price than they started last year because I, I, would, I would quietly fancy them at least for the playoffs next year should we uh, cut down the odds maybe and just focus on this weekend then? For the moment, for the moment, Joe. Salford, Bradford. Uh, Salford favourites to win at even money. Oh. Uh, Bradford are 11-4 to four with a draw 5-2. to two. And crew, Stevenage? Crew, you won't be surprised to hear, are incredibly short. 1-2 to two to get the win at home. Stevenage 11-2 to two and the draw 17-5. to five. And for the benefit of Sam Parkin with Swindon top, crew second, Plymouth in third at the moment. Odds on promotion? Promotion Swindon one to twenty for promotion. Crew two to seven. Exeter four to nine. Uh, so they are the ones that we think will be top three. With Plymouth four to seven to go up, fourth favourite. So uh, the odds suggest that they will have to do so via the playoffs. But the other teams in and around are Cheltenham eleven to ten, Northampton seven to two, Colchester four to one. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Simon, this is just an opportunity for you to plug that documentary again because we have other big documentary news coming up. So yours is, or can people? Oh well, see I was it? small cog in the wheel, no, but no, you know, I mean, you it's already it. been out. But they're working on another one for the for the end of this year. But so. can you still see it? Uh, I think you can still see it on Sky on Catch Up. Just search Salford City. I think yeah, it's on on Sky Catch Up. I'm pretty sure it is. Joe's nodding. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was. I, was, I, I recently finished uh, something a box set on Netflix, and I was looking for something. Uh, else to watch and I, I, I noticed it popped up on I mean, I'll take that as a yeah. compliment no, well, I've, I've already seen I've already seen it I would, I would, you just I would watch Sunderland it again documentary hadn't you and then <laughs> oh, you thought, oh, which is the other big football documentary news okay. okay Sunderland Till I Die season 2 arrives on April the 1st
And no, we didn't do that on purpose, says the official press release. <laughs> right, nothing else to discuss then. That brings this week's show to a close. Thank you, Joe Critty. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian Clark. Yep, see ya. Thank you, Simon. I was a small part of cog in that wheel of that documentary. Uh, was, will we hear you, see you, EFL on Quest? Uh, yeah, this weekend I'm back in the uh, studio watching Oxford, basically. <laughs> Why would, is that work? It's is a contractual work? obligation. Of course. Of course, and That's enjoy what people it and work anyway. Yeah, quite. Thank you, Simon, anyway. Uh, Sam's back next week. Thank you for your company, too. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Join Ruby Walsh, Tom Nugent and Paddy Power on their racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth, as they build up to the 2020 Cheltenham Festival each week. New episodes every Friday. Muddy Knees Media.